All right, let's give it up for our VBS kids and leaders once more time. Love it. What a powerful week. I forgot all the kids were going to be in church, so this 45-minute sermon, I'm going to have to cut it down a little bit for you. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So help me out here a bit, friends. I'm going to say a few words, and I want you to finish it for me, okay? It's not what you know, it's... All right. We all know that proverb or saying or whatever it is. And I don't know about you. uh, Over time, I've kind of seen how true it is. And if you look at that whole what and who distinction, you can see it play out in our world and in our lives in a whole bunch of different ways. And as I've thought about it and I was thinking about the what and the who, when you really are honest with yourself, the who is always bigger than the what. Who is always bigger than we think it is? In the end, it's the who that we are drawn to in so many ways in our lives and when it comes to our identity and comes to our experience. Think about it this way. My wife and I, we had our wedding anniversary uh, yesterday. We went to a, thank you very much. We went to a nice restaurant that we liked down in the circle, and uh, it was nice. We, we, we spent a few hours together, which doesn't happen all the time. And the who is the most important part of that, right? We, I could have gone off to a five-star restaurant by myself and had dinner by myself, but it wouldn't have mattered how good the food was, right? It's not necessarily about the what, having dinner at a nice restaurant. It's more about the who. In fact, one of the best meals that I've ever had, and maybe I've talked about this before, it was with my wife, my kids. We were down at the beach. We were down at Newport Beach. We bought some of those overly priced, nasty hamburgers and fries from the stand there. You pay like 50 bucks for it, you know, and you just do it, right? And yeah, we're sitting there eating those burgers and fries. They're covered in sand. It was really a terrible meal, but it was one of the best meals I ever had. So I looked over at my wife, I looked at our, our three kids, and I said, thank you, God, for bringing them into my life. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 17, talks about the who being more important than the what. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. Right? The who. It's always more important than the what. It's just like going on vacation, Right? Sure, you could fly off to some tropical island paradise and spend a couple of weeks there by yourself. But I bet that most people in this room would rather go on a vacation like that with the people that they love. The who is always more important than the what. Shoot, my wife and I went back when we lived in uh, St. Louis. And I'm not trying to throw the state of Michigan under the bus right now, but maybe a little bit. Sorry about that. We would drive up on New Year's Eve up into Michigan, all right? I mean, it's freezing cold outside. It's an Arctic tundra. It's miserable out there. But we were going up there not to visit a place, but we were there to visit a people. The who is bigger than the what. And I'd argue that we see that play out in different ways in our lives. Last week was a big Sunday for us. We, talked to, we sent Robin Gomes. We sent her off to St. Paul's to work over there. We commissioned our VBS leaders. It was Father's Day. And all of that has to do, more importantly, with the who. It has to do with relationships that matter. 
And this past week at VBS, all those relationships with those 800 kids and all of the volunteer leaders, helping them grow together with each other and helping them connect to God in relationship was a powerful experience. The who is more important than the what. Last week, we talked about that important work of VBS, about scattering the seed of God's word into people's life and trusting that seed to grow over time. We talked about even the smallest seed of God's love planted in someone's life can grow into the biggest of plants. And we talked about how important it is for us to give that some time and to trust the seed to grow. And so we're going to continue where we left off last week in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to look at that text. Jesus spoke those parables. And then we get to see that sort of seed plant into the disciples' life. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It's in your handout. It's going to be up on the screen there. Let me read these words. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day... When evening came, he said to his disciples, and so that day, it was a long day of preaching, he was preaching parables, he said to the disciples, let's go on over to the other side. And so he's talking about the Sea of Galilee, and Sea of Galilee is really just a lake over in Israel, and he said, let's go on to the other side, to the region of the Gentiles, because Jesus is all about the who more than the what, he wanted to reach out to those people over there. Verse 36 continues on, he says, leaving the crowd behind, They took him along just as he was in the boat. So he was in the boat preaching to this crowd. It was like a natural amphitheater up on the hillside. He's preaching. And they took him as he was in the boat over to the other side. And it says that there were other boats there. And that little detail is really important because it shows that Peter was observing these things, giving them to Mark. Mark wrote them down. It's a legitimate story. Verse 37 continues on and says a furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So it's a great wind. Now, the Sea of Galilee, anybody ever been there before? Okay. I've heard. I've never been there. But the Sea of Galilee is in this basin of hills. And so the cool air from the Mediterranean Sea will come in, and it'll mix with the hot air from the desert. And all of a sudden, there can be a violent storm. It's known to happen. And then it says there in verse 38, in the midst of all of this, Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So it's kind of what pastors do after they preach on Sundays. They long to go home. They, they, they can get a nap. They're going to take it, all right? So maybe that's what Jesus is doing. I don't know. Maybe he's just calm because he's God and little storms don't bother him. We don't know for sure. But that's what he's doing. He's sleeping on the cushion. Verse 38, disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, the irony here is that the disciples, most of them, were expert fishermen. And Jesus was a carpenter, and he's totally calm. And the disciples are saying, Jesus, don't you care? Now, they're speaking from a a place of fear and a place of panic, because there's no way in the ancient Near East that a uh, student, a disciple, would talk to a rabbi like that. Disrespectful, let alone Jesus, the Son of God. And here they're saying, Jesus, don't you care? But I think when we hear those words, I think we get how they felt, right? I mean, storms and weather and natural phenomena, these are big deals. You look at the news, the news always talks about them, right? Tornadoes and tsunamis and floods and fires and landslides and hurricanes and snowstorms and ice storms and hail storms. They're a big deal because they affect our lives. They affect our livelihood. They affect even our existence. Now, besides earthquakes in Southern California, we don't get much of these natural phenomena. But I went to university in Nebraska, and I remember going to my buddy's house on spring break. We went up to Ainsworth, Nebraska, 
And we went up there and we hung out and a storm moved in, right? And the people that live there in Nebraska were like, we have got to get in the basement now. And I was like, okay, I'm going, right? There was some tornado or something coming in. It was a huge storm. And this California boy was kind of freaked out because I'd never experienced that sort of stuff, right? And I think that was what we got a little bit going on here. Just like we were scared for our lives, hunked down in the basement because we thought the house was going to blow away, the disciples are scared for their lives. And in the midst of that storm, they doubted Jesus' concern for their well-being. And so on the one hand, if we read through the book of Mark, we're just kind of going through it, and we come to this story, and we're thinking, yeah, come on, guys. Don't you get this? Jesus is in the boat with you. You're going to be just fine. Don't you know who he is? But on the other hand, if we're honest with ourselves, we look at life. And when life is hard, and when we are in the midst of the storms of this life, how many times have we doubted God's concern for our well-being? And it usually happens when we're confronted by a storm, by a storm that something in our life comes into our life that is unknown, something challenging, something difficult, something threatening. And it's at those times when those storms come into our lives when it seems, it seems like Jesus is just sleeping in the stern of the boat. It seems that he's ignorant of the storm that we are in. And that's when we want to cry out, Jesus, don't you care? That's what the disciples did. They were afraid for their lives. Then in verse 39, what happens, we see, he's, he got up, Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind, he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. It's kind of like, in the Greek there, it's kind of like talking to a dog saying, be muzzled. And the dog is silent and sits, but except for Jesus is talking to the natural order. He's talking to the creation. And when we see that, automatically we're sort of drawn back to the Old Testament. We're drawn back a thousand years to the book of Psalms that talks about God being the one who calms the seas. Psalm 107 verse 28 says this, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. We see in our text today that Jesus is doing the same sort of things that God did a thousand years back in the Old Testament. And we begin to see that this Jesus is not just a rabbi, not just a man, but he's doing the work of God. The furious squall came up. That great wind came up. It was brought to a calm simply by the power of Jesus' word. And we hear that. We're drawn back to creation. We see God who, in a word, said, let there be light. And there was light and brought into the order of the created universe. And we see Jesus, by his word, speaking reality into existence. And we see that this Jesus is more than just a man, more than a rabbi. And in verse 40, he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And on one hand, we see the story and we're kind of like, yeah, don't you guys get this? This is Jesus. We, we know what he's doing. But you remember last week we talked about that seed, that seed that's planted in our heart that takes time to grow. These disciples were not fully mature yet. The seed of God's word, the presence of Jesus in their life is just, going, is just starting to grow. And Jesus here in this text is helping them grow, helping them grow deeper, helping their faith to be more rooted. And hear this. Sometimes it takes a storm to do that. 
Sometimes it takes a storm in our life to help our faith grow deeper, more rooted, more profound. And we see that happen in verse 41. It says they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In that moment, their fear shifts from the storm to the one who calms the storm. And in this story, we see this awesome recounting of Jesus with his disciple. We see a shift from the what to the who. They move away from being afraid of the storm, the what, and they move to a place of reverence and awe before Jesus, the who. They shift from asking the question, Jesus, don't you care if we drown, the what, to the who, and they say, who is this guy that even the wind and the waves obey him? And in fact, perhaps we learn from this story that it's not so much about the miracle that Jesus did, but what the miracle reveals about who Jesus is. The disciples didn't put their faith in the miracle of Jesus calming the sea. They put their faith in Jesus, not in the what, but in the who. The who is always bigger than the what. And in that moment, the disciples' faith was strengthened. Faith not in a miracle, but faith in Jesus. And over time, their faith grew deeper and stronger and more rooted, just like we talked about last week, just like we talked about the seed who's first planted, and then it sprouts, and then it's a stalk, and then there's a head, then there's a full kernel of grain, and finally the grain is ripe and mature, and that takes time. And here we're given a snapshot of the early days of the disciples, but if we fast forward we fast forward to the book of Acts. We fast forward to 1 Peter and 2 Peter. We see all of these disciples, they moved beyond this initial stage of faith. They moved beyond asking Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And they moved into a realm that they were able to weather the storms in their life because they knew God was always with them. We all face storms in our lives, right? Right? We all face things that are unknown. We face things that are challenging. We face things that are threatening. We face things that are difficult. And I tell you, I know many of you in the room, we've met, we've talked, we've prayed about these difficult storms in your life. Relational difficulties, family difficulties, rocky marriages, depression, anxiety, hatred toward God for allowing difficulties in our lives. Read the Old Testament reading from Job in your handout. Storms of financial distress, storms of addiction in and storms of families being separated. I could go on and on, right? There are storms out there. The disciples were delivered from this storm this one time, right? But eventually, every single one of those disciples was tortured and killed for their faith. And in that reality, we learn that there may be times when Jesus sleeps in the stern of the boat while we are fearing for our lives and the storm may come or the storm may go. He may let it happen or he may eradicate it. It's not so much about the what. It's not so much about him miraculously taking the storm away. It's more about the who. That he is with us in the storm. And so I hope that you hear this morning that if you're in a storm in your life, and I mean this from the, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, that if you are in a storm in your life, I hope that you can sense the presence of Jesus with you this morning in his word and not only in this gathering of believers today, but in someone in your life being the presence of Jesus for you. I had an opportunity to see that this past week. 
I've been spending a little bit of time at a skilled nursing facility, and this past week I was there, and one of the patients is in stage four cancer. She's very weak. She's weathering a terrible, terrible storm. And I'm telling you, I saw Jesus' presence with her. I saw her sister come into her life, spend the whole day with her, take her to eat, talk to her about her life, tend to her wounds, tend to her care, tend to her medicine. And at the end of the day, I heard her sister pray this awesome and wonderful, powerful prayer of love and devotion over her. And Jesus didn't look like a statue with a white robe and a blue thing and long hair. Jesus looked like a 50-year-old middle-aged woman, caring and loving for her sister. And I saw Jesus with her in the boat. My friends, that's what matters most. It's not what you know. It's who you know. And you, my friends, you know Jesus And he's promised to be with you always. And for those of you in the room this morning, there's some of you in the room, you're strong right now. You're healthy. You're safe. You're secure. There is no storm going on in your life right now. And I want you to hear this, that there is someone in your life that is in the midst of the most terrible storm in their life, and they are afraid. And you are the presence of Jesus to them. And I want you not to go out and eradicate the storm, but I want you to jump in the boat and be there with them so that they're not alone and that you share Christ with them. And they will say, who is this? And you'll say, this is Jesus. He is with you always. Amen? Amen.